But 1981, that's really when the SAC exchange came to be about. And uh, the Jets are playing in Shea Stadium, and their defensive coordinator is on the way to the stadium for a pregame walkthrough Saturday, right? And they got the Oilers coming to town on Sunday, and Kenny Stabler is the Oilers quarterback. Well, in order to get to Shea from the Jersey Turnpike, they had to pass this, like, horse stable. So the defensive coordinator gets out, and a little bit of gamesmanship here, right? It's no different than this is the era of George Allen and the Redskins. When it was really hot, he'd run the heater in the visitor's locker room. Or when it was really cold, he'd run the air conditioner in the visitor's locker room. So this is the, uh, just a different era of bygone sports. But uh, the, the Jets defensive coordinator goes by this horse stable. He gets out, he gets a five-gallon bucket full of horse manure. And he takes it into the visitor's locker room, and he puts it all over uh, Ken Stabler's locker, all over the locker that's going to be used. And even the guys on the Jets, on the defense, they're like, man, our locker room's not great, let alone the visitor's locker room. And now you're going to make it especially bad. And so then game day comes, and, and again, harmless, right? Just a harmless prank, harmless thing. Game day comes, and before the Oilers show up, the, the D coordinator goes in, cleans up all the horse manure, right, but can't get rid of the smell. And it's so bad that Kenny Stabler is dressing outside of the locker room for the game in the hallway. And uh, guys are walking past him like, Kenny, how come you're not in the locker room? He's like, man, it smells like shit in there. Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. All right, what's up, JT? Uh, nice little cool Sunday afternoon. You got your... Niners starter jacket on, uh, repping the Niners. It got got dicey. I was going to text you during the game, and I was like, mm, I'm going to let this one lie because it didn't look good. Did not look good. Um, but the Packers rookie kicker missed the field goal, and the 49ers capitalized with 107 left. A lot of questions about do you take a timeout if you're Green Bay there. It is what it is. The number one seed survived. Uh, and we'll play in the uh, NFC Championship versus the Lions or the Bucks here in about 20 minutes. We'll find out uh, when that game kicks off. We'll know in about three hours afterwards who they're going to play. But, uh, man, uh, ready to get in this episode with you. And uh, just want to give a quick shout-out to our, our sponsor, Pro Quick Draw, man. Um, I keep seeing a lot of stuff on social media. I had two coaches DM me about Pro Quick Draw. Uh, if you're a person that wants to simplify and get your life back and not be on huddle, breaking down stuff and creating a new playbook, PQD is for you. So reach out to them. Uh, links in the show notes. Reach out to PJ. He'll get you set up. You use our code. You let them know the Culture Classroom sent you. You get uh, a percentage off, which is um, which is great. One of the things that uh, they're a great sponsor for us and has helped us over the last two years. So uh, just... You need a quick way to get your life back and not watch film and create all these things. Um, I know for defensive coaches, right? It's it's it helps, right? You got to make all those cards. PQD does that for you. So reach out to them today and uh, receive a discount by mentioning the Culture Classroom. So let's get into the uh, podcast today, JT. Yeah, no, I, I I love it. I mean, it was dicey in the Tory household last night for sure. And it wasn't just because of the 49ers and they were struggling, but you know, we we've talked a lot about winning on our podcast here this season. And 
one thing that like it's a slippery slope with culture, right? Because winning is a lagging indicator of culture. Right. Uh, you have to win or you're not going to be around. Uh, that's just the way it is. So just full disclosure and for our listeners who have been with us for a long time, we don't emphasize winning, but you have to win. And it's a bottom line business and that's the bottom line. And so going back to the 49ers last night, like I didn't know, you know, there's a lot of time on the game, uh, on the clock, especially in the fourth quarter. You don't know how it's going to go. And I think that's what makes the NFL so great, especially the NFL playoffs, because everyone wants to talk about it scripted. You know, they're following all these storylines. And at the end of the day, winning and losing in the NFL is decided by such a small margin. And it comes down to, and we talk about this, right? Like we talk about third down conversions. Can you convert? Can you uh, score points in the red zone? Can you turn those four-point plays, field goals into touchdowns? Um, and then do you turn the ball over? And the stats for the 49ers were okay. You know, Brock Purdy missed some reads last night, which second-year players going to do. You know, he didn't get a lot of help from some of his skill players. Even guys that are reliable like George Kittle struggled in key moments. And Devo Samuel did not play in the second half. He, he didn't. And it's like, is it his head? Is it his shoulder? Is it his ribs? I mean, various, various conflicting reports, you know. So just, just things like that, right? And then Ayuk was absent most of the game. And I guess for a culture guy, it was nice to see Jennings step up. He had some key moments. Like the, when he goes over the middle and he makes that catch between three or four Packer defenders, you know, Brock Purdy puts it right where it needs to be. And he goes up and makes a play. And I text my dad going into that final drive because my dad's like, well, what do you think? And it's like, there's three things, right? Like, one, don't panic. Two, trust your, the people around you. And then three, you have to be able to extend the drive. And that's what they did. And they finished in the end zone. And for me, and I texted you this earlier, but I was thinking about it last night, you know, and my wife even woke up this morning and she goes, did the 49ers really deserve to win? And the, the bottom line is it doesn't matter, right? Because they did. And when you have an elite culture and you have elite players and you're an elite team, you find ways to win close games, even when it feels the bleakest. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I just thought about, you know, last night, you know, this team is built to win. And I'm not just saying this because I used to work for the 49ers. I'm a 49er fan. I, hey, let's be honest. I wear my 49ers starter jacket. I wear it in July sometimes just because. Um, but you know, what made last night fun is it felt like 1982 again. And what I mean by that, and you, you NFL fans of a certain age will appreciate this, but when Joe Montana found Dwight Clark in the end zone 42 years ago today, right. For the catch that sent Bill Walsh to his first Super Bowl, that was a defining moment. That was the team, Joe Montana and Dwight Clark making a defining moment, seizing the opportunity, and then living in 49ers and NFL history forever. I felt that way about the game-winning drive last night with Brock Purdy and with Christian McCaffrey. Because let's be honest, Coach Weaver, if the 49ers don't win a Super Bowl, this team is built to win. So it's like, And, and not an NFC championship, right? That's not enough. Not an NFC Western division. They are built to win the Super Bowl. And so I said this with Mahomes and Travis Kelsey a couple of years ago. If they don't win a Super Bowl, it's a shame. And I feel that way about this 49ers team. Yeah, I agree with you. They're uh, they're built to win. And uh, I was going to preface if people didn't understand, if they're first-time listeners, like you did work for the Niners. 
So there's they have a special place. You know that organization. Uh, you know what they're built on. Uh, but I just I looked at how I was looking at how the game went last night. And it was just fun just to watch it and the ebbs and the flows, how the fumble went this way. But then you go back and you see two rookie quarterbacks, right? Jordan Love getting his, his second year and all that stuff. Purdy, same way. Made the Cardinal sin and threw it across his body, trying to make a play after a first down, and that kind of sealed the deal. But you're just – you're exactly right. You find ways to win when you're an elite team. Uh, you're, play, you're supposed to win. You don't think you're going to lose. You deserve victory. All those things that coaches are thinking of right now that are listening to this, that you find ways to win. It's it's just like um, – you know, for us in the semifinal or in the regular season, we weren't winning the whole game. And we score 18 unanswered. And we win in overtime. Like, just find a way. And I think a lot of times, you know, you see the graphic going around on social that the NFL scripted because their logo matches, the Super Bowl logo matches who's going to play. They don't know. It's not WCW, WWF wrestling anymore. It's not that. They don't know who's going to win the game. And that's what I'm loving about to do. The two games today, you you have the Buccaneers with Baker, who's trying to make it. You have the Lions riding this high of they've they're back. I don't know where they're back from, but everybody on the NFL Network saying they're back. The Lions are back. I was like, I, they they just won their first playoff game since '92. I don't know what that means. Like, congratulations. You know, it's been a generation. You know, yeah. maybe two generations. Right. And then you have um, the nightcap, which I think everybody's going to be in tune to. Uh, the Kansas City saga with Buffalo and Josh Allen, how that is all going to transpire. So the NFL is uh, special to my heart as NIL creeps into the NCAA. Uh, I think NFL is still supreme in, in my words. Uh, high school is the root, but when you get to the NFL, you've made it and you're an elite player and you're there's such a small talent pool of that. Um, so anyway, uh, I want to talk about your New York sack exchange because I, I was reading your notes that you sent to me as I was watching the game last night and full transparency. So my son had a birthday party yesterday. We went to this Ninja Warrior place uh, where it's set up just like Ninja Warrior. So if you see that and they're running, they have to do all these things and swing and jump and they have to go climb this little mini wall. Uh, not the 14 and a half foot one that's on the show, but it's a little bit shorter than I think it's like 10 feet or whatever, but they have to climb it at the end. And one of Luke's classmates was doing this and he, he, uh, he kept going like 16 seconds, 15.2. And I said, look, if you go 14, nine or better, I'll pay you $5. And he ran 13, eight. And I was like, got to pay up. So, <laughs> So he does it again and runs 14 two. And I was like, Hey, it was a one-time deal, you know? And he was like, where's my $5? Like they instantly. So I go back to reading your notes about the New York sack exchange and what they did and how they put money in the pot, $5, $1, $10. If you're a starter, non-starter. And then the only way you can win it is if you scored a defensive touchdown, you can win bits and pieces with a forced fumble or a sack and this, but how much does that go back to and reading your notes and then seeing that transpire yesterday, the fact that money does drive us a, a certain tangible reward drives us past what we're capable of. And I, I don't have the scientific, I don't have the psychology behind it. I, 
I know it screwed the Saints over with the bounty gate. They can't do that, you know. But you, you look at that, and I looked at yeah, you know, Bo Stratton yesterday, who was running fifteen to fifteen three in the soft school course, and I tell him I won't give him five dollars if he breaks fourteen nine, and he goes and does like thirteen eight. It's crazy. Same thing with the New York Sack Exchange. Their sacks go up. They had eight in one game, and it just it ballooned. So I think the tangible reward we're talking about the NFL this is the Lombardi Trophy. So your game levels yeah. up. Like there's definite difference when people watch the regular season versus the postseason. It's the same thing with basketball when they watch March Madness. It's there's more skin in the game, and uh, I want to hear more about the New York Sack Exchange. I just thought about that story, but how many times as coaches do? When the chips get a little higher, we start pressing in a little bit more. And do the chips have to get higher for us to press in, or should that be our main goal every day that we go to work? Yeah, so I'll give you some context here. So um, I read a book on the New York Sack Exchange, right? It's just called Sack Exchange. Um, I love it. Again, my favorite books are the ones that connect me to stories from when I was a kid. And I remember the Sack Exchange, right? Mark Gastineau, Joe Klecko. Um, Abdul, Salam, uh, who they called Salami, uh, and then Marty Lyons. That's the sack exchange. And just to give our viewers that maybe aren't of a certain age, if you're not over 40, you might not know the sack exchange. Uh, so, and it just, it just warms my heart every time I hear this. So I'll just tell you a little bit more. But 1981, that's really when the sack exchange came to be about. And uh, the Jets are playing in Shea Stadium. And their defensive coordinator is on the way to the stadium for a pregame walkthrough Saturday, right? And they got the Oilers coming to town on Sunday. And Kenny Stabler is the Oilers quarterback. Well, in order to get to Shea from the Jersey Turnpike, they had to pass this, like, horse stable. So the defensive coordinator gets out. And a little bit of gamesmanship here, right? It's no different than this is the era of George Allen and the Redskins. When it was really hot, he'd run the heater in the visitor's locker room. Or when it was really cold, he'd run the air conditioner in the visitor's locker room. So this is the, a, just a different era of bygone sports. But uh, the, the Jets defensive coordinator goes by this horse stable. He gets out. He gets a five-gallon bucket full of horse manure. And he takes it into the visitor's locker room, and he puts it all over uh, Ken Stabler's locker, all over the locker that's going to be used. And even the guys on the Jets, on the defense, they're like, man – our locker room's not great, let alone the visitor's locker room. And now you're going to make it especially bad. And so then game day comes, and, and again, harmless, right? Just a harmless prank, harmless thing. Game day comes, and before the Oilers show up, the, the D coordinator goes in, cleans up all the horse manure, right, but can't get rid of the smell. And it's so bad that Kenny Stabler is dressing outside of the locker room for the game in the hallway. And uh, guys are walking past him like, Kenny, how come you're not in the locker room? He's like, man, it smells like shit in there. And it's like, yeah, literally it probably Early. did. Yeah. And so uh, the sack exchange goes out and gets eight sacks that day. And at the game, it's, there's two parts of this story. The first one is at the game, there's a fan holding up a sign that says sack exchange. And the second part of the story is that, was, that sign was viewed by their trainer, Pepper Burris, who goes home and the next morning he's driving into the to listening to the radio and they come on with the the um the exchange report right the nasdaq is up this the dow's this winners and losers gainers this week are blah 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 and he starts this idea 
So they had eight sacks on the D-line. So he went in, and when he got to work, and he typed out just a little thing of like, hey, you know, Mark Gastineau had three and a half sacks, moves his total for the season up to eight. You know, Marty Lyons had five and a half sacks, moves his season total up to nine and a half. And so he peppers these things all over the facility. It starts in the training room, then he puts them in the team meeting room. And next thing you know, they kind of take off. So the market's up and down, same with a football team. You know, some the thing about the sack exchange was sometimes Gastineau would be the leader, right? And then the next week, it would be Cleco. And then the next week, it's Salam. And then the next week, you know, it's Marty Lyons. And so just like the stock exchange goes up and down, so did the defensive total. And this thing takes on a life of its own. The, every week, the paragraphs got more detailed, right? And you kept more of a track. And then this spills over into practice where they start finding each other for loafs, you know? So if you loaf in practice, it's a buck. And, man, we're going to watch film, and we're going to really watch you on this play because I think it was a loaf, and the film is going to prove me right. And then you have to throw a buck in. And if it was a loaf during a game, it was five bucks. And if you're a starter, it's 10 bucks. And all of a sudden, this pot accumulates. And then you're right. Like, you could win the pot by scoring a touchdown. And there's all kinds of analytics today that talk about what the winning percentage of a team that scores a defensive touchdown is like. It's like you're, you, you, your winning chances increase by, like, 500% if you can score a defensive touchdown. And it just built this culture of we're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to have fun. And, yes, if that means that our D coordinator is going to go get some horse manure and put it all over your locker in the visiting locker room, then that's what we're going to do. And then we're going to dominate on Sunday. And what was really interesting about the 1981 Jets was the sack exchange in 1980 had 16 sacks, 18 sacks. I'm sorry, they had 18 sacks. You know how many they had in 1981? 66. Wow. So you start keeping track. You, you create an identity. You start keeping track. You have a little bit of gamesmanship. You build a brotherhood. And then you win by kicking other people's butts. And uh, what a turnaround, right? And the rest is history. This kind of went on. 82 was the strike year. Uh, you know, 83, they were good, but not didn't have a quarterback, really. Ken O'Brien was a rookie. Didn't quite – things didn't go their way. Uh, they made it to the NFC, AFC Championship, but not all the way to the Super Bowl. 84 was okay, 85, 86, you know, the guys started getting older, 87, another strike here, and so on and so forth. But this sack exchange idea, having a little fun, building a brotherhood, and then ultimately dominating games. Yeah, that goes that goes right back to, I mean, that's episode two of our whole podcast, is creating an identity within your position group. Well, they did it with the whole defense, you know. And the D-line of, like I said, this is nothing new, like the ARB and stonecutters. And I mean, that's nothing new. But the fact that with gamemanship that you talked about, the other piece that I want to fit in there is we've talked about this in previous podcasts in the last two weeks is the accountability piece of them holding each other accountable and how hard that is, I think, in today's society of holding each other accountable. I mean, that's a that's a big deal, even at a high school level, let alone the NFL. You know, high school kids can't put dollars in or all that. But, I mean, they can find something to put in, like skin in the game for that. And so that's what I'm, I alluded to before um, you gave some context. The thing is, what about if I would have told Bo, hey, I'm not going to give you anything. I just want to see if you run faster. Does he run faster? Right? Same thing as if you have a loaf. 
you got to put a buck in or five bucks in or $10 if you're a starter, you, you probably don't loaf as much. So I'd love to know how much was in that bucket, you know, versus, you know, and then who won it and all that stuff. But I think that's, that's a lot of substance to dive into is as you're going through an off season as a coach and you're hitting January, February, March, uh, before you go into spring ball, like how, how can I create some accountability? Just in a, maybe it's a locker room and your locker room looks like total crap. How can you create some buy-in and make sure your locker room's staying clean or the helmet's in the right way or the, there's no trash on the ground or maybe your pre-practice sucks and everybody's loafing and just kind of bouncing around. And it just how do you spark some accountability just with that? Like I'm saying, we're not saying go be the sock exchange, the sack exchange and go, hey, you owe me a dollar or a quarter or a penny. We We don't want to get into that. But we are saying is find some creative tools. Um, and look, if you if you know some and you want to respond to us, hit us up on Twitter and let us know. But uh, I think that's a, a question to dive into as you go into the offseason. Like, how do you create buy-in accountability like it's like the SAC Exchange did? Well, and you're exactly right because every practice, so that's how they watch film. That's how they held each other accountable. Here's also what the SAC Exchange did. Every practice ended the same way. The offense had the ball at the five, and it was one play, stop us. And for two years, the offense didn't sniff the end zone. For two seasons, I can't even imagine how defeating that is. You and I are offensive guys, right, offensive coordinators. We, we, uh, we love to score points. We love to have big plays, explosive plays. Two years, and you can't even sniff the end zone? All right, so time out on that. Think about the game last night. So full circle back to the game last night that we talked about, the Niners and the Packers. The Packers would drive all the way to the red zone. They were 0 for 2 with two field yeah. goals in their first two red zone trips, where last week against Dallas, they were 4 for 4 in the red zone with four touchdowns. So and, there's a mentality the flip, that comes with that. The flip side of that is, you know how many trips to the red zone the 49ers made? And you know when it was? It was the game-winning touchdown. And how big was the hole? Like, I... I think I could have ran through it and you at the same time, <laughs> the same time. <laughs> it, it was good. That was one of those where we're going to make it no matter what. Yeah. And the, the accountability piece is maybe the O-line and looks at McCaffrey's like, we got you. We got you. I mean, it parted like the Red Sea. Wasn't even close. Now, pre-snap, you could see the bubble that was fixing. You saw the bubble pre-snap of the way the alignment was for the Packers D-line. But again, you go back to that moment of being an elite team, holding each other accountable. You never saw the 49ers panic. It goes back to the accountability piece. It goes back to trust your training um, of what you've done. There was no panic. You are in the divisional round. Yes. Are you supposed to win? Absolutely. It's raining. All the cards are stacked against you and you find a way to win. The same way with the sack exchange. You're going to find a way to create an accountability method to produce 18 to over 60 sacks in one year's time. Do you find that? And and I think that's what the best teams do, right? That's what the playoffs are about. Be legendary. You and I talk about that with our players. The biggest play, the best players play their best when the moment is the biggest. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that the sack exchange never could do. I mean, they could have games where there's eight or nine sacks. And let's be honest, in the 19, early 1980s, late 70s, early 80s, we're throwing the ball 15 to 20 times a game. It's not like the 50 times that we're going to drop back and pass today. 
So and no, no RPOs. Getting, no RPOs. Yeah, you're getting eight or nine sacks on half of the times you're going to throw a football during the game. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. But if you want to really be good, if you want to win a Super Bowl, if you want to win by the slim games, the slim margin, if you want to win in the postseason, legendary players have to play legendary. Yeah, I agree. You hear it so many times in locker rooms. I can't tell you how many times. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. That's, I mean, that's been, I think, since the 60s that's been said. I don't know. But I hear our coaches say that. I hear our head coach say that. I hear people say it when you're watching clips, like big-time players. But the simple thing is just go be legendary. Like, when yeah. you're a great player, and you're going to see it today in the divisional round for those two games, you're going to see Josh Allen do something miraculous. You're going to see Kelsey do something crazy and you're going to see Mahomes be magnificent. That's what you're going to do because those are elite players and they're going to rise up and help their team win. Um, so, and, and as a middle school coach, I know we talked about the accountability system of a dollar, five dollars. I mean, it's the 1980s, early 1980s, you know, whatever the equivalent to that is today, probably two or three times that. Here's what middle as a middle school coach, here's what I do to build competition in my team and make it a little fun. Uh, wrestling, you know, physical sport. I buy a lot of candy bars, Kit Kats, Reese's, you know, whatever. Get the kids whatever they want. If I if practice is down, I will throw a Kit Kat in the middle of a mat. I will put guys on both ends. First one of the Kit Kat gets it. Oh. And it's just do something fun, like take a buck idea, right? Instead of a loaf, when your players are loafing and when you feel they're loafing, candy, Food, that is great instant rewards for our middle school and high school athletes. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, I think uh, you see your team, like you're saying, loafing. If you go back to a high school football practice or back, you got to be able to pivot. You got to be able to flip a switch and pivot it because, like we talked about before I started recording, you're at a sixth grade basketball practice, right? With Maddox. And you're like, there's a special place for those people. I'm coaching that kind of team. I'm coaching Luke's team, that six and seven year old kindergarten, first grade uh, Pee Wee basketball team, and it is, um, it's challenging and it's testing my fruit of the spirit of patience very hard. <laughs> um, and thank goodness I don't have any here because it would all be pulled out. But what it goes back to is it's teaching me in practice when I have practices with them on Thursdays. Is I got to be able to pivot because they're not loafing. But their mental capacity cannot go to like 15 minutes of this, 15 minutes of that. It's more in like five to seven minute segments. So it's always got to be pivoting. And I think the same thing goes with if you're coaching middle school, if you're coaching high school, if you're coaching community college or senior college or even in the NFL, you got to find ways to pivot to make sure that your guys uh, don't get into that loaf method. That's one reason why we went from five minutes per period to four. That extra minute we found was just kind of dragging out. So go to four minutes. We coach faster, allows us to play faster. Our kids understand the urgency. So we just took away that one minute and it works. And and get creative because whenever there's a tangible reward, especially when there's a tangible reward in front of an audience, the other team members, that's where the magic happens. I mean, I just remember from my days with the 49ers, there's so much cash in an NFL locker room. I won an award with the team in 2007 and they presented it to me at practice and I got to break us down and all that stuff. Uh, it's just like a team award that that's given, you know, every year uh, to an office employee. And uh, I broke it down and then I get in the locker room and people are just handing me 
fistfuls of cash, right? They're just handing me. I think I went home and I counted over $5,000 back in my hotel room that players had just had on hand and they were just handing it to me like by the fistful. We don't want to do that, right? Even in the days we had NIL, we're not doing that. We don't make enough as high school coaches and teachers to, to do that. But hand out candy, right? Or hand out something that's immediately gratifying that ties back into uh, to what you do. I know our three values for our middle school wrestling program that I've created are tough, smart, and fun. And so I ordered a bunch of beef jerky on Amazon every, every wrestling season. I hand that out to our toughest wrestlers. I, I have Smarties. I have Fun Dip. Uh, I have popcorn, like the smart food popcorn brand. That's what I hand out. So when our, our kids do something tough, you know, I give them a bag of beef jerky. For example, great example, I'm wrestling on Friday, just a couple days ago. And uh, my best wrestler on our team is wrestling another school's best wrestler on their team. And the mom is sitting in the front row of the bleachers. And the mom is dropping F-bombs on the match. The mom is intense, right? I'm even pointing at the other school's AD like, Hey, come on down. You might want to see this woman uh, here in the white sweater, mat side. But, you know, my kid takes down their kid right on the edge of the mat. So it's two points for us. We're out of bounds. So the official resets us. Their kid punches my kid in the face back in the circle before the match resumes. So there, there's a penalty point, right? Sportsmanlike conduct. We're going to blah, blah, blah. So now we're up 3 nothing. We go on to win the match 7-6. to six. And I told my kid who came off the mat, and he was very emotional off the mat, so I gave him a few minutes. I go, come back and see me in about 15 minutes. And so I'm still sitting mat side coaching other kids, and Angel comes back, and I'm like, I'm really proud of you. Not because you won. I'm proud of you because it is very difficult to keep your composure when you get punched in the face and to not react. And you've got crazy mom sitting mat side yelling F-bomb, and their kid goes off and does that and you have the composure to stay in the match mentally and win. And that's what we're talking about, right? It's all those things. How does Brock Purdy lead that game-winning drive? How did Joe Montana do it with Dwight Clark in 1982, 42 years ago today? How do we keep our composure to win a really close wrestling match after you get punched in the face? It's all these things. And so when all of them come together, the incentives, the rewards, the accountability, the competitiveness, the drive, the will to do well, to the, the will to victory. That's when culture magic happens. Yeah, I'll agree with you 100% that uh, a lot of times we get caught up in just the winning and not the process that leads up to the winning, you know, the peaks and the valleys and the turns and the 90-degree the turns that you have to take. Uh, like getting punched in the face and you have to turn yourself and be like, hey, and con- your composure. Um, so that's where we are. But yeah, man, I just, <laughs> I appreciate you jumping on with me so soon <laughs> today. It was one of those that uh, we got to record. We made a accountability moment to ourselves to make sure that we do a better job of sending content to people in 2024. So you know, you're, you're keeping me held accountable. Like, Hey, yesterday we were supposed to record today. We did record. So, uh, today we got after it before the NFL playoffs, but that's what we're going back to people that are listening to this, the accountability piece, then just go to your athletes. It goes to each other with other fellow coaches, uh, either on your staff or, you know, a thousand miles away from each other. So, uh, just appreciate you and, and, uh, our friendship and the accountability piece that goes to this. Uh, I do like Kit Kats, by the way. 
Hey, Coach, I appreciate it, too. And, I mean, you talk about accountability. You are my accountability partner. You know, on top of this intentional coaching with you, when we started this podcast in 2019, we started our relationship, what, 2018, 2017, somewhere in there. Like, I was a good coach. You have made me better. And I am a more intentional coach. And that's what I hope for our listeners. Hopefully you're listening because we've made you better. Or the real examples that we share, along with what we read and what we talk about and what we see and what we study, uh, hopefully that's made you better. So, um, again, appreciate you, Coach. And the NFL playoffs, there's no time to be playing your best than there is right now. That's right. Once again, thanks for listening to the Culture Classroom. Stay tuned for more content. And if you have creative ways that you spark accountability within your team share with them uh share them with us on twitter or um dm us and uh love to see those once again uh happy divisional round for the bucks and the lions and the chiefs and the bills and we'll be talking about that soon on another podcast once again thanks for listening to culture classroom and our supporter pqd y'all have a great one coaches how many times has your wife asked you why are you getting home so late i'm guilty of this too and it's what sparked a conversation and eventually led to a playbook software for my husband it was the frustrations of time wasted on the busy work copying pasting nudging rearranging plays and making last minute changes to the playbook and that's when it clicked he made a list of features he wished visio and powerpoint had and then created pro quick draw a plugin specifically for drawing playbooks, making scout cards and presentations in Visio and PowerPoint. Over three quarters of the NFL are using Pro Quick Draw, and thousands of colleges and high schools are turning to this platform because it's addressing the problems modern day coaches have. Do me a favor, find us on the web, Pro Quick Draw, book a demo with one of our coaches, and tell them the Culture Classroom podcast sent you, and you'll get 15% off your annual subscription. Now get home to your wife.